You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the I Dig It Podcast. A podcast where we talk about the student perspective of navigating the world of archaeology and anthropology. I'm your host, Michaela. And I'm your host, Alyssa. Hey there! I didn't see you there. So, another week has passed. Uh-huh. How we do it? <laughs> I mean, how is it like already mid-May? Right? That's good. Is it mid-May 2021? Oh, Christ. I almost said 2019. This is definitely yeah. not 2019. I have just finished week 7 of 10 for my Nice. And so so in 3 weeks I will finish my first year of grad PhD school, not grad school. 18th grade. 18th 18th year. Sure, this is my eighteenth reason. <laughs> How does it feel to almost be done? I can't wait to not do anything mm-hmm. for a couple months. Yeah, I think that's what I need. So yeah, complete. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I was well, gonna say complete darkness. I'm like, no, not complete darkness. <laughs> complete. My- I mean, so they're planning on having everyone in person in the fall. So, oh, that'd be so nice. That'll be technically the start of my grad school career since nothing's happened this year. But yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I'm going to try to make it through. Then by then, I'll be like halfway done. So, yeah. Right? How many years does it take? Like five. Yeah, you'll be Almost halfway, halfway there. Yeah, you're, you'll, you'll be closer to being done. I'll be two years in, and then that's only one year away from like halfway done. And then, and then that's only halfway away from but it's only fully done. It's five years if I do like expedited PhDing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to do expedited? Yeah, PhD-ing? I want to get the frick out of here. <laughs> we'll see if there's even a world to <laughs> be in five years from now. We'll see. I suppose. Unless we can't see. It's dark. <laughs> no darkness, my old friend. Because like the atmosphere is like slowly collapsing, so then we can't see mm-hmm. any sun. So then we're all we all can't see because it's all just eternal darkness at all times. Sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a premise for like a sci-fi film. So then we have to escape to space, we have to go to Mars, and we have to go on to Elon Musk's shoulders. Yeah. But nobody actually wants to go on Elon Musk's shoulders. <laughs> You know, Elon Musk. <laughs> and then there's an, another upcoming scientist who's an actual scientist, not just this entrepreneur type of fella. Mm. And she is the head she. of everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. She they. She they. <laughs> person of color. Person of color. Smartest um, person on the planet. And they saved the world. Doesn't believe in capitalism. So we're, we're writing a book so I can quit my PhD. There. Oh, basically. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. But we'll co-author it. Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be so fun, though. We should, <laughs> we should make a little book. We honestly could. I think that'd I be, believe it. That'd be it really is. funny. Our minds are very, like, sci-fi heavy, especially in our yeah. dreams. But I think this could work. And then, of course, we can have, like, some cute romance in there. And just like... I feel like it'd be fun to just like open a doc 
and then like one person starts writing and then the other person like picks off where it comes off. It's like that game where you like pass around a drawing and you keep adding on to it, you know? Uh-huh. So like you never know where it's going to end up. That'd be we got to do it. Let's, Let's just start it. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> it's like whenever you just need a break from researching. You or just, just like write a couple lines. <laughs> write a couple lines. It's like whenever I'm at work or something and it's a little slow, I'm just on my phone mm. just typing it in. And it's like, okay, cool. And like the top, we could have like a list of all the characters and what they look like and who they are. Yeah. And like every time you add a new character in, you like put the description. and Yeah. And then we can like design, like have somebody design the characters yeah. and like how they look like and make yeah. a little lookbook. But for now, we could like Google people and just put like the closest. Henry Cavill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm going to have him die. When no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. a meteor randomly strikes the earth. You know, that's fair. The, um, he's he turns into Superman. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie and in real life oh my god he really is cal l <sighs> that's fun yeah I'm, done. I'm into it let's do it <laughs> so um stay tuned let's say um on topic uh our attention spans have been suffering <laughs> no yeah we were talking a little bit earlier about how just like this whole year attention span has gotten worse and worse and it's so hard to, to stay focused, like even just reading a simple article, like we were planning the topic of my debate that I had to do for class this week. And like even me preparing for the debate, I didn't even read all of the readings because my attention span was so short. And it's like a 19, what, 60 something debate, 82, 1982 debate. So it's like, 40 old, years ago. Yeah, it's like old news, you know, like I'm, yeah, I'm just not my, I'm tired of learning things that I'm not interested in. <laughs> uh, is that the struggle with like getting your PhD in anthropology because you have to go more onto the different subfields of anthropology and not just focused on yeah. the interest of archaeology? I think like that's the main difference between like US PhDs and elsewhere it's like elsewhere you just like hop into your research and you read on your research in US mm-hmm. you get like the whole foundation redone even though you already did an undergrad in anthropology and like it's just like accelerated it's just, it's just like yeah, here you go so much force. so much like not really related to what you want to do but you still have to do it and then like obviously you can make connections and make it related in ways and like learn new techniques to approach your questions and whatever but yeah it's it's hard to especially in a covid world to focus on things i don't have interest in and i think i think we're all feeling that <laughs> a little bit i remember i felt it during my dissertation Mm. And I don't know if it was just like overworking or what, but I'm like, no, I just had no focus most of the time. Mm. And then I would escape NVR, which was one for my research and two escapism. So, you know, it kind of benefited in a way. <laughs> it's like you didn't feel that bad about doing it since it was still tangentially related to what you had to be doing anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I remember like 
My issue with my dissertation was I had said everything I wanted to say, but I still needed to write like a thousand more words to hit the minimum word count. Yeah. So my issue was like trying to force extra words, which is silly because in the real world, when you publish articles, you have to condense it into like five pages, like Mm -hmm. your whole research. (laughs) And then for dissertations, they're like, you need to write minimum 20,000 words and I hit over 20,000. Yeah, you had to cut back yours, right? I did. Yeah. Because it's like I did a lot of like analysis and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I can only every case study that I do, I'll just write about that. And then it's like, this is important. It's like, oh shit, I have to Mm -hmm. cut this out. And it was still like 102 pages altogether. I'm like, oh, that's cool though. I almost think like cutting back is harder than like (laughs) writing more sometimes. Yeah. It's like, but everything's important. I don't want to cut it out. Yeah. It's like, this is all my child. You want me to cut off (laughs) pieces of my child? Cut their limbs? (laughs) Oh my God. Because even then it's like, when you cut things out, it's like, okay, so now does this flow? How should I arrearrange this Mm -hmm. and everything? But when you're adding, it's just like, oh, this will make this flow better. fit into here and... Yeah. Yeah. It's unfair. Whoever whoever discovered grammar and literature, I want want a word with you. (laughs) I have a word with you. I did see a funny meme the other day. Not really on topic, but off topic, but on topic. PhD student C2020. Here's, it's what Catherine posted. (laughs) No, um, here's a limited argument I made based on years of specialized research. Hope it's okay. Frowny face. Philosopher dude, C1770. Here are some thoughts I had in the bath. Uh, they constitute universal and self-evident laws of nature. Fight me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I feel that. Uh, let's see. Speaking of that, it's like, hope it's okay. That was me in my debate <laughs> yesterday. So... I like can't form thoughts on the go and it the debate was three versus three in the class and it's over zoom. So like you, you wait for someone to stop talking and then you start, but like, I don't know what it is with me, whether it's like imposter syndrome or a mix of other things, but like, I can't make myself say words in response to other people's words and like arguments. Everyone looks like they're doing so well and just like, oh, but he says this and it's about this and it's not actually about that. And then I see them doing so well and then I'm just thinking about how they're doing so well. And then like while I'm thinking that, like time passes and then I didn't hear what happened. And now I'm like not answering any of the questions and I'm just sitting there and like not participating. Uh-huh. So that that's how my debate went. <laughs> I did all the work for it, but didn't say a single word. Public speaking is definitely a skill Mm. that either you're like, it's innate or you really have to practice it. Definitely. I I haven't done a lot of it. So I'm like, "Eh." (laughs) I don't really know. Yeah, I don't want to be a public speaker. (laughs) I end up just like talking a lot faster. And it's also, it's not your opinions. It's the opinions of the person you're pretending to be. It's like role play debate. And I don't know. I just, I feel like I can't comprehend articles well enough to pretend I'm the person who wrote Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to have read the articles and then 
choose a side whether or not like you fully like stand for it or anything and then have like the three on three that way being like or however many it's like okay this many people is for this person so then you just kind of argue naturally divide yeah Mm. yeah we were like assigned okay you three are gonna be for the the argument and you three are gonna be against it and that's how it happened (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan of forced public speaking. It makes me nervous. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> I already have anxiety. I can't do this. <laughs> uh, I like speaking. I can speak fine if I'm allowed a script. Like if mm-hmm. I'm allowed to formulate my thoughts prior to, like I'll be coherent while I'm talking. But if it's like on the go, I'm just... I'm not good at that because I get too nervous. Yeah. It's like I've lost my, I don't know what I've said. I don't know where I am. Who yeah, am I? Exactly. I blacked out for a minute. Exactly. Uh, I got to go. And then you leave and go to the hospital in a different country <laughs> and never have seen again. Oh, you remember Michaela? Was oh, that the girl from that one time? And then you see me in the background with the wig on. And I, nope. <laughs> you don't see me, John Cena. so yeah that's our feelings of public speaking can't do it speaking in front of like a microphone easy yeah the way that i decided to combat this was i stayed after class and asked him a question just so that he like heard my voice last and hopefully (laughs) will give me credit for everything is it participation grading um yeah but it's like lumped into a bunch of other things so it's not like a certain percent for the debate it's like the debate plus this plus this is okay that's good so, yeah so like i'm not worried about not passing i'm just worried about disappointing people so. oh my gosh no. <laughs> Alyssa, the only person you can disappoint is yourself the thing is like i'm really good at typing up to speed as people are talking so i i transcribed the entire debate and nice. sent it to everyone so that's my contribution, <laughs> that's your contribution. to it because we also have to write a paper on the debate. Well, that's nice then. Yeah. So then now everyone's just like, oh, so thanks, Alyssa. Everyone in the class knows that I did that, but the professor doesn't know that I did that. So he's not really seeing like the effort that I put into preparing, 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 <laughs> preparing the debate. What is he going to do? Fire me? I already want to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. Yeah. I keep telling myself that. It's like, it's fine. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Just quit. You don't have I mean, to do a PhD. Anymore. If you guys want, you and Takumi can move into my house. That's true. There's going to be an extra room in September. Hmm. Don't tempt me. <laughs> it's not that expensive. And live with moi. <laughs> That sounds nice. My friend just like casually went to Hawaii for a week (laughs) during the sixth week of school. So it was like midterms. But yeah, he went to Hawaii for a week, which sounds like more stressful than relaxing to me. Like midterms week going to Hawaii only for a week. (laughs) Why during midterms? He's a crazy person. So he was in Hawaii for like five days and then came back. I know, good on him. <laughs> That's how some people are taking this PhD. No, he's like the hardest worker I've ever met, though. So he just likes to stress him out more than he needs to be stressed out, though. So 
who who doesn't stress out more than they oh, should yeah, stress out? <laughs> 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 we definitely want to try to like go on some sort of trips this summer. I almost said this weekend. Yeah, let me just go sailing across the United States this weekend. <laughs> we should try to do the road trip we meant to do last year. Yeah. Well, my dad has a place in Utah that's oh, yeah. currently getting built up. So we can go there, oh, stay there. It has a few bedrooms and go over to Zion. Zion's like an hour and a half away. Mesa Verde is only a five-hour drive. Uh, let's go. So we got to do that. We'll be right back after this break Woo. with more information about anxiety. Anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> a common topic on this podcast. Um, anxiety in public speaking and yeah. Which is yes. something that's important, especially when people are often not only forced, but are recommended to do public speaking in academia, especially during your undergrad, even in high school. It's just like, well, you have to do this. Like your grade depends on it. Yeah. It's necessary. I would say it's unfair, especially with those who are severely anxious and afraid of public speaking and just like forcing them to do that is very traumatizing. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the segment. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, it's like, of course, it might stem from like some deeper issue or something like that. But it's like, why is most of your grade dependent on this one or two? Yeah. Fortunately, my grade isn't most yeah. dependent yeah. on it. So, yeah. And that was, we ha- we were going to have to do three debates throughout the term, but he cut it down to two. And that was the second one. So I never have to do it again. Because <laughs> it's weird how it's like you have to debate and then you have to write a paper about it. Because then it's just like you should have the option of doing one or the other. Yeah. I also think we should be able to write a collaborative paper together on it. Because mm-hmm. um, that would be a useful skill to have is co-authoring. And then also we all prepared the same thing anyway so like why would you want to read three different but same papers is it about the debate or is it it's no it's about the content so oh okay so it's like your your interpretation we're all reading the same notes and writing a paper so I mean I guess you could have different outputs anyway but yeah I think it would be cool as like a project to like have to co-author with two other people because that's something you do in the real world yeah especially during like a phd or something that's a little bit more serious than an undergrad because people are a little bit more serious about whatever they're learning in some way shape or form have you noticed that group work has been easier as a phd student than in undergrad i feel like i haven't really had any group work at all it's all been very one person except for the debate but like the group work is the debating, and I didn't do any part of it. So, like, all my contributions were subsurface that the professor can't see. So, that's unfortunate. But, yeah. Were your teammates um, trying to have you talk or? No, like, I, we all message each other during class. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I messaged them. I was like, I feel useless. I'm so sorry. I can't form thoughts. Like, oh my God, no, it's okay. Like, you're. Like, I can't believe how fast you're typing these notes and blah, blah, Like, they were, like, gassing me up and, like, you're doing great and your contribution is worth it and all that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but you can't see that. <laughs> yeah. So. Will you know your grade for that anytime soon? Or is it, like, end of? 
Um, I mean, it's really hard to not get an A. Like, you have to actively try to not get an A, I feel, or just, like, come from, like, a completely different background and not know how to write in the style of anthropology or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, yeah, so I'm I'm not completely concerned. I also think that anything less than an A right now is cruel. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think I'll be fine. But because I've done all the other work. Because I feel like in a group setting with debate, it's much easier than individual presentation or debate where it's just like 1v1, especially like thinking on the fly. Unless that might be easier. <laughs> Not a fan of the V part. I could do the, <laughs> the one. I could completely prepare like both sides of a debate and like give both of them at once. But if like someone's asking me questions about stuff, my brain just like stops working. <laughs> Can you repeat that? I blacked out. <laughs> yeah. Like even in class, if he asked me something, I'm just like, I have no idea what you just said. Mm-hmm. Like too much adrenaline is going through my brain right now. I remember in my undergrad, I would always just focus on what the teacher was saying and writing notes. And then every time they would ask a question, I'd just be like, somebody else want to take this? Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I want to like hear somebody else. I'm still processing like what's being said. The the thing that doesn't make sense about my brain is that I hate being called on, but I also hate awkward silence even more than that. <laughs> so like I always feel like I need to be the one to fill the silence. Yeah, same. <laughs> but then I'm like, I don't have anything to contribute to this awkward silence. Like that's why. Oh, is it this? And they're like, no, that's incorrect. And then I'm like, okay, I'll just never speak again. <laughs> I feel like if there's like more than like three beats and nobody's like raising their hands, because if it's just like a rhetorical question or something like that, move on being like, this is what I'm meaning by this. The worst is when they just like sit in silence and wait for someone to answer. It's like, obviously no one wants to answer. (laughs) Like everyone's just taking like things as it comes in and they haven't fully processed what you've been saying because you're like Mm -hmm. sitting down for an hour and however many minutes. Three hours for mine. (laughs) Three hours. Like how is it supposed to go like through the full circle of your brain cycle into going into the deep recesses of your memory? I think that's how brains work. I should ask my housemate who does um, brain brain research. (laughs) But I feel like this is like an overly simplified or very inaccurate representation of the brain. <laughs> me, me IRL. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like how within like an hour are you supposed to be able to process this information? Of course, you're supposed to be bringing in resources from your own knowledge about the subject. But what if it's a class that you are knowing nothing about as well? And it's just taking this to get a prerequisite or just a completely new subject that you just want to focus on the content and and one way that people learn may be after the fact and learning and being able to process it after the lecture or the readings. Or maybe some people, when they do the readings, they need the lecture in order to fully understand it. I don't know, but it's something to think about when thinking about public presentations and participation in classwork. And also something to think about when you're having to do this for, like in high school, you're doing this from 7, 8 a.m. to 3, 4 p.m. or however that type of education works. I always remembered like in high school, I really wanted the block schedule because I'm like, this seems more practical Uh, for adolescents for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had both. I had block schedule for my freshman year and then I moved high schools and had the regular one. 
And I really liked block schedule because you would only do like three topics a day for two hours. So you had more time to like, usually it would be like you get taught for the first hour and then you put it into practice for the second hour or something like that. And yeah, it would it would suck for classes you didn't want to be in because <laughs> it was like extra time in those classes. But yeah, for learning, I can see how it helps. I can't believe we used to do six different topics a day. It's like you're learning so many different things and subjects and then you have to do like extensive homework for each class every single day with no leniency at all. Unless like everyone's crying to the teachers being like, please move the due dates. How did we do that? I don't know. High school's hard. Let's ask, let's ask your sister how, um, how it's going. She's, like, she's not doing great right oh, now. No. <laughs> oh. I think online classes are especially hard for high school stuff. I can't imagine, man. Yeah. It's like even I don't spend that much time on Zoom and I'm in a freaking PhD and you expect a 13-year-old to sit on Zoom for seven hours a day. Like, Yeah. Silly. They Hopefully they go back soon in person since. Especially now that everything's opening back up and Mm -hmm. 15, 16 year olds, at least in California, can get the vaccine now. And I feel like having that sort of this year and a half within COVID and online learning, I think that's going to be an interesting look onto focus in Mm. the classroom. Because yeah. it's like if you've been able to tune everything out online, how is it going to be in class? Yeah. Especially I, as like incoming freshmen who are now sophomores. And I definitely think we're going to see lasting impacts of this pandemic on young brains. Especially with like the socialization. People like aren't going to, I don't remember how to make friends in the real world. Can't imagine how it is for like a freshman now sophomore going into high school where they're supposed to be an upperclassman now but like don't know anyone (laughs) yeah it's like I just really want to go into a cafe and just like eat something while working on my computer and then just like make conversation with people around me and it's like that doesn't exist right now kids incoming high schoolers Mm. incoming college goers at any caliber it's going to be so interesting to see everything come back. And it's like, does anybody really know how to socialize? And yeah. But then people have been back. And I think that it looks like it's been okay. I don't really know. I haven't seen anything. Me either. I've seen yeah. like some videos and stuff like on TikTok. I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, that made me think of, well, this all has made me think of just like how like pointless everything seems right now. Like with like the whole last year and everything and i saw this um tiktok it was someone googled like how long before civilizations collapse and it was like 250 years or something is the average and then it looked at how old the united states was and it was like 245 years and we're like oh this is why everything is going to shit (laughs) because we're reaching our limit but is that just an analogy analogy going into analogy (laughs) so the debate that i had to do yesterday that i kind of did but didn't do you you did i did did work on the all the work for it and i didn't say anything so yes i did it the prompt was (laughs) the use of analogy compresses the variation of human existence into flat worldviews derived from the contemporary world and therefore offers little use to the archaeological project so, like, you had to debate 
whether you were for or against that statement. Like, are analogies useful or are they not? And basically, Richard A. Gold and Patty Jo Watson wrote a co-authored paper where they just like argued each other within one paper. So it was nice. You didn't have to go somewhere else to read the other <laughs> side of it. But yeah, they wrote a paper together in 1982 about the use of analogies. And yeah, so that's what the debate was about. What was your side on? We took the gold sign, sign, gold sign. <laughs> we took the gold side, which was against analogies, at least in the way that Patty Jo Watson was describing them. Yeah, so basically one of Watson's stances was that we can use analogy for past societies by comparing them to present cultures, which like already is problematic because people change over time and like comparing something a culture today is doing to like their ancestors is like not really fair and doesn't give any credibility to the past culture or the present culture just saying that they're like stagnant and never changing and primitive and whatever and so that in general is like kind of problematic but she was arguing that since we don't know the past and the real truth of the past anyway the descendants of a culture are the closest we're gonna get and it's better than nothing and therefore useful i could get behind that a little bit I definitely think that ties into like community archaeology too is like involving people on the land and the research you're doing about the land that they're living on and like what stories they have passed down from generations and so I think in ways yes that could be useful but I don't think they should be taken as truth but also there is no way we could actually know what the truth is because there's many truths and so like what is the truth in the past and can we even attain <laughs> a truth about the past in general? That's what I have a hard time with. It's like, this is exactly how it was. And like, this is exactly what it means. It's like, how do you know? Nobody actually knows. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. everything should be like preface. Like this is the interpretation of what we think that this is based on this, 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 this. Yeah, exactly. And so Watson was focused a lot on like ideational factors and like, traditions and that sort of thing and comparing those to like artifacts and being like oh we have this it looks similar to something we have in this comment or this contemporary culture it's probably what it was used for since they're so similar that sort of thing but gold was arguing that we should start with stuff we know such as like biological sciences and geology and all that and so you start your analysis based off of science like testable things like in geology you know exactly what earth processes happen because it's the same and it has been the same throughout time and so you could use that and then use those factors to infer what a people might have done in response to things like climate or like the faunal records present or flora and that sort of thing so he was saying start there and then once you find an anomaly like oh these people did something different than what we usually see then you look into ideational factors and bring in everything else one of the issues with him is that he's assuming that like humans react to nature and it's like that nature culture divide that we don't really like right now it like takes autonomy away from people saying that like oh like if there's no water then 
people are going to move. But like, that's not always the case because like places can have like significant meaning to where they don't move or like ideologies tied to certain places and things and all that, that you can't see like in climate studies or whatever. But yeah. So it's like, you would know in the moment of like, we're not going here because of this, this is there or Mm -hmm. this is not there. Yeah. And it also takes away from like all the politics that happen. I remember last term we read this interesting reading about Iceland and just like the history of settlement on Iceland. And basically when the first people arrived there, they divided land into like family plots. And then that family plot was passed down through generations. And then today, like it's still the plot you have from your family was like passed down a long time. But as a result of this, all of the people who settled like on the higher ground after years and years of farming, all of the soil started to erode and fall into the valley. So now the people who live on those outer ridges don't have fertile land anymore and can't grow crops and are typically like a lot poorer. And then all of the rich soil like slid down into the valley. And so all the people in the middle of the valley have this really good farming land and accumulated like a lot of generational wealth because of it and all of that. So it was like the decisions to divide land a certain way hundreds of years ago directly impact how contemporary people in Iceland live and like the reason why they are poor or not because everyone just has their plot of land. Property isn't sold the same way. But yeah, so there's like politics that go into the way land is used. And you can't always see that in faunal remains. But you can see that the soil eroded. Mm Mm-hmm. You can make assumptions based off that, but you have to use analogies. Yes, exactly. So then, so then what is an like, analogy? <laughs> when is it okay and not okay? So then, I mean, everything's based on interpretation. So it's like there, I, I almost said there has to be analogies, but it's like obviously there's. Yeah, yeah. I can see how it's like a debate because it, it's debating the initial thoughts that you have and like mm-hmm. those kind of innate thoughts of being like, Oh, this is how we're questioning this is like, but should we yeah. be questioning it like this? this way? Yeah. What's another way we can question this? It's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> so I don't think the argument is like, should we use analogies? I think it's how do we use them properly? Yeah. So like, that's the frustrating thing with archeology. span And I find this, this debate like goes on in my head all the time anyway. It's like, what's the point? We're never going to know like what actually happened. Cause like we like have such a small sliver of like any record of the past. And then we just have to like make things up based on other small slivers of things we have from the past. And then we get a story, but, but <laughs> history does repeat itself. <laughs> So, okay. Uh, so you compare my- contemporary history to whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of like using, I guess that is, but I was thinking more of lines like using the past as a way to help predict the future. And just because it's like history, not history does not necessarily repeat itself, but elements of it do. So plagiarizes. History just plagiarizes itself. So then by looking into these undiscovered settlements or something somewhere and just learning more about that, you can learn more about the land that it's on and make analogies and assumptions based on contemporary (laughs) (laughs) 
or like you said, like being useful in the community and just like mm-hmm. having it. It's like, okay, so this is what was happening then. How can this be beneficial to yeah. what, what, how is this information beneficial now? That's the key. That's the cake. I think. Gonna take a sliver of that. Yeah, whatever the story ends up being, I think it has to benefit modern contemporary people in some way and do its best not to skew power in a way that hurts people. Knowing that land in Iceland was chopped up a certain way back then and therefore these people are suffering, that can allow the government to make certain adjustments to whatever they need to do if they so choose to, which they, I don't know. I don't know how government works in Iceland, but knowing that information in general though, like shows that it's not a fair system and you can work to level that out. It's like it was back in the day, but now however long it's been, <laughs> it's like um, we, our world now is very fast paced. Different. Everything needs to be instantaneous and up to the times according to western society (laughs) but does it really no (laughs) but does it really it's definitely an interesting topic to think about and i mean i guess it goes in with theory and needing to know more and know more about why we think about things so then it also goes into philosophy just like is how is this table a table and how is this table not a chair (laughs) what is truth what is truth Honestly, everyone has their own different versions. Yeah, the truth. I guess it also goes into like the stories of wars and how only the victors, not only the victors, but really the victors have the winners write the history books. Yes. And if there is any other history books written, they're usually burned or thrown (laughs) off to face. Like they don't necessarily exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I think that's another thing that archaeology is working really hard to make note of is that you bring your own life biases to your research like everything you've experienced influences how you interpret data and like no one can be taken as like the one truth especially when dealing with like human past because there isn't only one truth there's everyone who is involved has a different version of an event exactly yeah and so I think People are just now finally starting to like <laughs> write that into their oh. research. It's like based off of my experience, this is what yeah. I interpret, but it could be something else. I think like in the papers that I write, I'm always just like based on my interpretations granted for me by these readings in this paper, I will be writing this. Mm. So it's just like this is just what I'm thinking based on what I've been given. And of course, there's so many other papers. Not everyone can know everything that's ever been written, mm-hmm. especially if just great literature that may or may not be super easy to find. And especially when there's like the paywall in front of you that you can't yeah. access a lot of things. So open yeah. access forever, actually. But it's like I do understand wanting money. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of open access, my new paper was just published on an open access forum, Woo! Science Advances. It's not my paper. It's I was a part of a paper that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Your name's on it, so there is ownership. My name on is on it. Yes, I made all of the tables and graphs inside the paper. I'm so proud of you. Yes, I still need to read it. Once I get these, uh, sh- <laughs> so I got these like natural supplements to help with focus and anxiety. Once I get those on Sunday, I'll take one, and all my issues will be cured. <laughs> Every- so I. <sighs> 
once I had movie theater popcorn on Tuesday, then I had pizza the next day. And then I was like, you know what? If I could just live my life eating pizza and movie theater popcorn, I feel like a lot of things would be a lot better. But then also yes. bad. Because I feel like I would not feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. So yeah. all I had to eat yesterday was the pizza. And I was like, I'm not hungry for the rest of the day. And then it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, Haha, I'm shaking. I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't eaten since then. <laughs> I'm in danger. Uh, yeah, Sarah brought up a depressing fact. It's just like looking into how many people actually read your paper after you publish something is like very low percent of people. And then like if you think about like so in my classes, something I'm frustrated with is that we keep reading the same authors like over and over and over again in theory and methods and whatever. And it's like the same 10 white guys and I'm just like how these these guys obviously were not the only archaeologists during this time with the only like thoughts about this topic like why are we talking about them over and over and over and over again I want to read something new so yeah just like thinking about that and like how many people don't get read even if it's better than like what's popular it's like kind of frustrating. Have you thought about like when you're seeing one of these articles by one of these guys and looking up on like JSTOR or a scientific um, website trying to find like an equivalent to it by somebody else? Yeah, I mean, like you can, but it's also hard to know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. That's like more work than I have the capacity to do <laughs> right now. That'd be something to do when you're writing your end papers. It's something that teachers need to be aware of is diversifying their syllabus yeah and including women and people of color and people of other country origins other than europe <laughs> and the americas it's like these guys are the forerunners because these were the only people these men were the we only can ones. read english <laughs> yeah and they're the only ones who could actually publish things and actually yeah, get true. notability yeah. It's like doesn't necessarily mean it's the best out there, or the most accurate or anything. Yep. But that being said, it's like they're being published and it's being circulated for a reason as well. So it's like it might be based on this professor's experience and their readings and stuff like that. Sometimes like people like throw names at me and I'm just like, I'm really bad at names. Like, especially since I'm not like actively writing and researching. So it's just like, oh, but this person, you haven't heard of them? I'm like, no, I like I have no idea. Like right now at this time of my life where I'm standing right here in the middle of the field, I, I can't say I do. It's like, oh, it's like, well, you should know this person because of this. I'm like, not saying that I don't, but I'm not saying that I do. <laughs> if I might read something, I'll be like, oh yeah, I have that paper still. Yeah, I also am not good at names. And I get like, I think that's like one of the main sources of my imposter syndrome is when my classmates just start pulling in like random names from like other things they've read. And I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know one of my brothers, when I was like finishing up my undergrad, he was just like, who's your favorite archaeologist? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have I hate one. Those questions. I don't know, because in my undergrad, I was mainly taking anthropology courses because mm -hmm. archaeology was really, like there's only a couple of classes. The Bulgaria trip for my field school, like that was my determining factor of 
being in archaeology. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, this is it. I love this. I'm going for it. And I did full Could speed. Did you then answer the question? Who's your no, <laughs> I still don't have Even one, then, really. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I also don't. Have you gone to an engineer and being like, who's your favorite engineer? I feel like it'd be easy for architects because yeah, there's some beautiful buildings and yeah. artists. Like that's, it's Art easier. is different. Yeah, art is very different than archaeology. It's like, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite coder? Yeah. In tech. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Zuck, I saw another post today. It was like millennials own 4% of wealth in the U.S. and 2% of that is Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh. yeah. But yeah, that was our little quip about um, analogies and debates. It sounds like it was a really interesting topic to debate and definitely has you thinking more in depth about how you think about things, which I guess <laughs> that literally is what theory is. Yeah. Yeah. How to think about things. <laughs> do you have any more debates um no we're done for this term thank god hopefully never again 10 out of 10 good job clap clap clap, clap. yay yeah we're almost done with the term i think i can make oh, it three weeks um you can. i believe in you <laughs> what i have to do is one one page paper which won't be that bad i have Easy. to do one 10 page paper which will be mm-hmm. a little more bad more. More effort. One four-page paper, which mm-hmm. is the debate paper. I think that's it. Yes, I believe in you. Thank you. My work's picking up, so I'm going to be working a little bit more. Yay, money. Money, know, money, 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 money. It's like I wanted, I've been wanting to like save money, but it's like the work being so sporadic, it's just going mm. back into rent. I'm like, I'm really like not making any money. Yeah. Been finding some other CRM things, maybe have two jobs, but then I'm like, that seems like a lot, especially in the summer with the levy. I know like last summer I was like out there six days a week for like a month. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been like impossible to have another job at the same time. They're like, well, you're, we just hired you on, like we need you. And it's like, I literally can't. So like that, I think like that's another fear. No, I think, I think they, it's more like, are you available? Yes or no. And you say yes or no. Cause the people I worked with would have like two or three different CRM jobs. And then just like when there wasn't work for one, they'd say yes to the other and, or say no or not. And I feel like they understand because it is all part-time. Mm-hmm. So unless you're lucky and have the full-time, unless you're lucky and have that one full-time job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, um, thanks for listening to our <laughs> rambles about anxiety in presenting because it's a completely normal and natural thing to have. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. We do not have the solutions as to how to cure it. I don't nope. know if anybody does. Maybe a therapist. So go your therapist. <laughs> We're fine. That's our catchphrase. It's okay. Yeah. Find the solutions that... It's like if you are severely anxious about presenting, like... I highly doubt that talking to your professor or your teacher is going to end in misery. I think they're going to try to be understandable. It depends, of course. And it's also terrifying. So send an email (laughs) being like, hey, I don't like public speaking. What are my solutions? How do I? It's like, what do you expect out of me? Because if I were to try to give a public speech, it's not going to end well. So how, what would be the best 
that you were seeing for me. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This show is produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Archaeology Podcast Network.